Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. How valuable and how important the Bible is to us believers. Uh, talking to someone this week, and uh, well, I, I think I was talking to Tanya. She wouldn't mind me telling you this, and she had gotten the news that she's got to have this surgery and what have you, and she was understandably concerned about it. And was it you that I told you go to the Book of Psalms? Was yeah. I, I said, Tanya. I said, let, let me encourage you. Go read the Book of Psalms. Uh, you know, David bears his soul about things he's worried about, things he's concerned about, things he's fearful of. I mean, we can relate to David uh, when we read the Psalms. And I, I suggested the Psalms to Tanya because when I'm feeling anxious or concerned or whatever, that, that's my go-to place. And the Lord speaks to me through the Psalms. Of course, he can speak to you through any part of the Bible, but that's just uh, where he really speaks to me, especially when I'm dealing with trials. What, what I'm saying is I value the Bible when I want to know what's right, when I want to know what's wrong, I go to the Bible. That settles it. Uh, when I want to know what is proper doctrine to believe, you know, I go to the Bible, and that, that settles it. The, the Bible is so important. And so as we're focusing on the Bible in our journey through systematic theology this year, um, I came across an article entitled, Ten Reasons Why R.A. Torrey Believed the Bible uh, is the Word of God. Now, I could have given you these same ten reasons. These are kind of ten standard reasons that anybody could come up with on their own. But I started reading his comments, and I started reading about him. And I, and I started reading about how that at one point in time, he wasn't sure if the Bible was indeed the Word of God. And he set out on a journey himself to find out, is it the Word of God? And he came up with these ten reasons. And again, these are rather ten standard reasons. If you look for any list as to why the Bible is the Word of God, uh, it'll contain most of these on any list. Uh, but this list became personal to him. And I, I just thought, you know, I could just give you the list myself, but I think it's more interesting when we learn who R.A. Torrey was and we hear that he came to the point in time where he doubted, and then how he resolved that indeed it is the Word of God. And we're going to give you the first five of those ten reasons tonight. And then, of course, next Wednesday we'll have the Crown College music team with us. So, Lord willing, the following Wednesday after that we'll get to the final five. But before we look at the ten reasons why Oratory believed the Bible to be the Word of God, and I added on there, and why you should also... Let's look at R.A. Torrey. Maybe you've heard the name, but you really don't know that much about him. And I want you to know a little something about him, and then I want you to hear how, like maybe some of you, he began to question. Because you hear all sorts of accusations. Oh, it's filled with contradictions. It's filled with errors. It's just fables. And many of them just made up. Is that the case? Well, let's look at this man. First of all, let me just share with you a little of his uh, background. And I'll just read it to you. R.A., which stands for Reuben Archer. Reuben Archer Torrey was Moody Bible Institute's second president after D.L. Moody. 
He graduated from Yale in 1878. In the following year, he married Clara Smith. And in 1882, he attended universities in Germany and studied under some renowned German scholars there. And he says, upon returning to the States, he declined an offer from a well-to-do Brooklyn church in favor of a pioneer home missions project of the Congregationalists in what was then the frontier town of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And he says there he founded and built a church that began with only 11 members. And he lived in impoverished conditions. And their most, we can appreciate this living up north, as he was pastoring that small struggling church up in Minnesota, it says their most frequent prayer request was for firewood. Well, we, can, we can relate to that. It says later he became superintendent of the City Missionary Society. Tory soon started another church, then another. They both grew rapidly. The church held events in public place, places where many attended. He taught a Sunday school class based on the union lessons in a public place, and hundreds attended. In his zeal for evangelism, he attended the International Association of Christian Workers in Chicago and was elected president. In these years, he saw dramatic answers to prayer, and he saw remarkable fruit leading people to Christ. When D.L. Moody, who founded the Moody Bible Institute, first heard of Tory. He exclaimed, you make my mouth water for him. He soon called him to head his new school, then called at that time Bible Institute of Chicago, and Torrey accepted the challenge and became the school's first superintendent. One of the first acts in this was, uh, in this was uh, position was to dedicate the Institute's first building. During his years at Moody, Torrey also conducted several worldwide, this man traveled worldwide, evangelistic campaigns. Uh, after many fruitful years, Torrey left Moody Bible Institute in 1908 and the same year founded the Montrose Bible Conference in Montrose, Pennsylvania, with the first conference being held that year in 1908. Many well-known Christian leaders frequently gathered at the 3,000-seat tabernacle at Mount Montrose for a wide variety of conferences that were often held there. And Tory kept a residence there and spoke regularly. Dr. Tory was active in the prophetic conference in 1914 called by Moody Bible Institute in the face of growing liberalism of the day. So he was a fundamentalist. In 1912, Dr. Tory accepted the call to be dean of a newly formed Bible Institute of Los Angeles, now known today commonly as Biola University. During that time as president there, he also served as pastor of the newly formed Church of the Open Door. This church, as well as the school, grew rapidly under Tory's leadership. And after 12 years at Biola, Tory was again restless to be devoted full-time to evangelism. He resigned his position to hold evangelistic meetings and to speak at conferences throughout the United States. And it says he was taken home to glory in October of 1928, and his body is buried there at the Montrose Conference grounds. So that gives you a quick uh, synopsis of uh, Dr. Torrey, quite renowned, headed up Bible colleges, was an evangelist, started churches, pastored churches. But there was a time 
when he seriously questioned the Bible. And let me read to you his words concerning that. He said, and I quote, I was brought up to believe that the Bible was the Word of God. In early life, I accepted it as such upon the authority of my parents and never gave the question any serious thought. But later in life, my faith in the Bible was utterly shattered through the influence of the writings of a very celebrated, scholarly, and brilliant skeptic. I found myself face to face with the question, Why do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? A more important question could not be asked. He goes on to say, and I quote, I had no satisfactory answer. I determined to go to the bottom of this question. If satisfactory proof could not be found that the Bible was God's Word, I would give the whole thing up, cost what it might. If satisfactory proof could be found that the Bible was God's word, I would take my stand upon it, cost what it might. I doubtless had many friends who could have answered the question satisfactorily. I kind of like this. But I was unwilling to confide to them the struggle that was going on in my heart, so I sought help from God and from books. And after much painful study and thought, came out of the darkness of skepticism into the broad daylight of faith, and certainly that the Bible from beginning to end is God's Word. And then he goes on to say the following pages are largely the outcome of that experience of conflict and final victory. And he said the following pages are his ten points. And we're not going to share. He lists the ten points, and he's got commentary under the 10 points, and we're not going to look at all the commentary under the 10 points, but we're going to look at some of them. It is critical that we know that the Bible is God's Word. It, it is critical. That has been the critical issue through the centuries. I am in the midst of my second uh, course of study concerning church history. And all throughout church history, churches have either been orthodox or unorthodox, which means true to God's word or not true to God's word, based on whether or not you believe it is God's word, without error, without compromise. It is critical. And from the beginning, first century church history, second century third century. There's always been a debate about God's Word. And thankfully, there have always been a core group of people that got it right, that just knew it's God's Word and stood for God's Word, and it kept them on the straight and narrow, whereas others who questioned it or outright denied it or compromised it allowed for error to come in the ranks. And we saw that really happen in the Catholic Church and even in other churches. So, Let's look at the uh, ten evidences that R.A. Torrey cited as to why he came to the conclusion. And I like this. This is a smart man. And he, he, he stated, he said, I could have relied on other people telling me what to think. 
He said, but I, I sought it for myself. I, I'm not patting myself on the back. I had that same issue. I told you about this not too long ago. I had that same issue when I was in college. And I was working at a uniform rental uh, place. And the two people that worked right alongside me was a, a son and his mom. Nice people. They were Pentecostal. And they were asking me if I ever got the first blessing or the second blessing. I said, well, I got the first blessing. I'm married to Sharon. I don't, so what's the second blessing? But, you know, and I saw, you know, and I, I went through the same process. I said, well, you know, if you're right, then I need to be speaking in tongues. And I thought to myself, I could go to somebody and ask them. And those that believe in speaking in tongues, you're going to tell me you need to speak in tongues. Those that don't believe it are going to tell me don't do it. So I went to God's word. I really did. I, I put some serious time in. And I came away with the conclusion that, you know, folks that are speaking in tongues really, they may be sincere, may be good people, but I honestly believe they are misguided and are interpreting uh, Scripture improperly. So I've been down that, not so much questioning God's Word, but what God's Word had to say about tongues. So let's look at these five points this evening real quick. Uh, and listen to some of Tory's own words. And I think it's fascinating here is his story. Well, the first reason he listed for believing that the Bible is the Word of God is on the ground of the testimony of Jesus Christ. And there are people that will tell you that they believe Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. There are people that will tell you that indeed he died, was buried, and rose again. And by faith, you can um, ascertain his grace and you can be saved. But those same people will tell you, well, do you believe the Bible is accurate? Do you believe it is totally, completely, and truly the word of God? And those same people will say, well, no. No, I, I believe in Jesus. But the Bible, there's too many question marks. Well, if you believe in Jesus then you need to consider what Jesus said about Scripture. And this is, these are uh, Tory's words. He says, we find his testimony, talking about Jesus, as to the Old Testament in Mark 7, 13, where he calls the law of Moses the word of God. So you're being inconsistent. If you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I, I don't believe the Bible is literally, certainly through and through the word of God. Well, Jesus did, because more than once when he referenced the Old Testament, he was, he was referencing it as the Word of God. So that's, that's inconsistent. You're just showing a little bit of ignorance there. You're, you're being kind of proud. You know, oh, I believe in Jesus, but not the Bible. No, you look at what Jesus said about the Old Testament, and he referenced it as the Word of God. But also, as to the New Testament, and I'm quoting Tory. We find Christ's endorsement of it in John 14, 26. The Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He is telling, he's telling the, 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 the apostles, he's telling those that are going to write scripture that the Holy Ghost is going to give you memory. He's going to give you accurate memory and he's going to lead you and guide you in writing the scriptures. That's what Jesus said. So he came to the conclusion, you know, if the Bible's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And that was his first point that he made as to the reasons he believed that the Bible could be trusted as the work of God, or the Word of God. And then his second one, his second reason that he listed is, on the ground of its fulfilled prophecies. On the grounds of its fulfilled prophecies. Now this, is, this makes... Well, the case for Jesus is, is an is a ironclad case.